You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and um, we're looking forward to the next installment of the Scottish Women's National Team and the bid to qualify for Australia and New Zealand 2023. So I've brought along two people who know a lot about the Scottish women's game this season um, and they've worked together for the Scotland women's national team under 19 level for commentary. Um, Chris Marshall and Amy Canavan, welcome along guys, how are you? It's lovely to be back, thank you so much, I'm doing really well. I am doing very well as well. So yes, as you say, the dream team, or well, I say the dream team, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Self-proclaimed dream team are back together. No. Yeah, no, buzzing, SMT are back, let's, let's talk about that, let's move swiftly on. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been an eventful campaign so far, so six games in, um, we were off to a perfect start with three wins at a three, two wins against Hungary and a seven-month fashion of the Pharaohs in between, and things have been a little bit sketchy since then, um, there's a one-all draw with Ukraine which needed a 93rd minute equaliser um, in November, and then a bit of a pacing of Spain um, a few days later, but an improved performance the last time we played um, the runaway um, Spaniards who have obviously clinched the group already. Um, what's been your assessment of the campaign? Ladies first, starting with you, Amy. Um, it's obviously, you, ha- you had to kind of come into it, with, I think, with um, with open eyes. You know, it is the, the start of this new... Pedro Martinez Losa era. Um, there were going to be teething problems along the way. There's no two ways about that. It's a different style of play. Um, and I think, you know, he's, um, as he kind of said, he really sticking true to his guns, you know, and he's really going for the, the possession based kind of style. Um, and it's, it's taken its time, obviously, got off to a fantastic start, as you rightly say, and some decent performances in there as well. Um, you know, I think you're, ex- well, I, with, with all due respect, you're, you're needing to rack up the goals against the Pharaohs. That is what's going to separate, you know, it could easily come down to goal difference. We've seen it before. Um, so it's important to get the goals in those kind of games. But the performances early on, yep, we're, we're okay against Hungary. Nothing, I don't think anything or anyone really set in the heather alight. And then going to the Ukraine draw, I think that was um, that was a, a disappointing game, I felt. Um I wasn't particularly impressed with, with too many. Um, again, like you say, obviously, it took right to the end with, with Abby Harrison getting that, that late, late, late goal. Um, so, th- and, you know, the, the game, the, the thrashing against Spain, you can see it's coming, but it was, you know, it was disappointing. I think the manner in which Scotland went down, you know, never laid a glove. And I mean, never laid a glove. It could have been, it could have been, double that it really could have um so then I think with that though you then you've got to lift back up to the positives because I actually felt that the 2-0 defeat as much as the scoreline's actually all right as well I felt Scotland played pretty well um and I think you can see this is why you can start to maybe see that things are kind of falling into a little bit of place um it's it's just quite a shaky time right now um because in all honesty in between that world cup in between these world cup qualifiers i think the pinatar cup was really really disappointing for scotland and i think they played really really poorly really poorly um and i think especially against wales i think that that's a game that just that does stand out because it just it was just so flat you know there was 
uh, the change of formation, and I know we'll get on all these things, so I'm kind of rambling a bit, but the simple thing, the, the, the change of formation, I actually really quite liked going into that. And then a freak five minutes either side of the half time, and that, that's kind of it. So I think it's the consistency. It's, it's probably the biggest thing that's missing in this part, uh, Pedro Martinez Losa side. In, in both kinds of senses, just the, the style, the the composure, really. I think there's still just a few missing ingredients. But in, in saying that, you know, you've got to take the position that Scotland are in right now that is pretty decent. Um, I think the, the probably the positive, actually, as well, after the Ukraine draw, is that Ukraine themselves never really went and followed that up against Hungary. You know, so as much as Scotland were getting a, a scalping from Spain, there's no two ways about it. Um, the Hungarians certainly helped you uh, Scotland out in that sense and, you know, defeating Ukraine 4-2. So it's still a decent position to be in. There's no two ways about that. But th- this is a huge game. It was always going to be a huge game. And the, the double header against U- Ukraine, um, they were the ones that you kind of think, right, that's that's who Scotland are competing for for second place. But just the way that things have kind of worked out, raveled, unraveled, um, I think this, this game's massive. Yeah, it definitely is a massive game. Um, it was obviously delayed. It should have been played back in April, but um, for obvious reasons, it was put back into um, June. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the Panata Cup because, um, Chris, this is what I bring you in. Um, Pedro was obviously only brought in in July last year um, after, what, se- seven months between um, him coming in and before that, Shelley resigning. Um, do you think it would be more beneficial for Pedro had he had a set of friendlies um, like a Panata Cup scenario to come into before a World Cup qualifier, um, because he's obviously trying to integrate his plans during these qualification matches. And um, yes, we got off to a good start, but as Amy says, the Hungary performance you know, needed an 83rd minute winner, um, and the Ukraine performance at home was not great. And do you think maybe had it been trainers beforehand, we might have had a better approach to those games, or am I being too critical? I, am, I remember speaking to. Um, Pedro, I'm just going to, let's call him Pedro, my pal Pedro, he's not my pal, but listen, I remember speaking to Pedro Martinez Losa at the start and we talked about the fact that um, he had, didn't have any friendlies and obviously that Sweden game was the first family he had and that was 2-0 and that was a horrible night in Paisley and it was a bit like, oh my god, I'm glad I've got lots of jackets on. But I, I, I think because of the way the, the qualifying group panned out, having that Hungary game first, I think if we'd got on the wrong foot with that Hungary game, if we hadn't Got, got the win that I think we all needed, especially after the way the, the Euro qualifiers ended. I think if we hadn't got that win, then I think that would maybe ring true. But actually, we got that win. We got that result against the Faroe Islands. And then, obviously, we uh, picked up the, the second win against Hungary. But I think it's that point you started to see some of the cogs maybe still getting the rust off them a little bit in terms of how, how Pedro Martinez also wants us to play. And um, yeah, obviously, the... Getting that late one in Hungary was a, a massive relief. I remember losing a little bit of professionalism in the press area when I, I celebrated that one, but who cares? <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, the, the late goal from, from Abby Harrison against Ukraine. But I was uh, watching back some of the highlights and been doing a bit of Ukraine scouting ahead the next week as well. And the one thing that I think maybe gets a little bit lost about that Ukraine game is, yeah, we weren't, we weren't efficient, but we dominated it. When you watch that game back, you'd... They had one chance and they took it. Now, the chance that they took wasn't dealt with particularly well. And there was obviously a big save by Lee Alexander towards the end of that game. But actually, we dominated that. And I think one of the things that Amy touched on, which is about maybe just being that bit more clinical up top. Um, and I think we've obviously got a couple of options up there just now. I'm sure we'll get, get into that in terms of who, who that could be for, for the game on Friday, uh, next Friday. But 
yeah, I think there's definitely uh, a process still going on. And the Spain game, for me, the Spain game was, the Spain game in Spain, first of all, wasn't great. I mean, like, Spain are good. Don't get me wrong, Spain are very good. But the second, there was just something, something went very wrong there in terms of the game plan and then the game plan after we went down and it just didn't work. And then I think we're maybe getting a little bit too carried away with the loss at Hamden. Um, it was an improved performance. I think you saw probably the best performance by Caroline Weir since Pedro Martinez. I find, felt like he'd finally found a position for her in, in, in this team and we've got to find a position for Caroline Weir that works in this team. But Spain weren't actually that good. They scored a really good second goal, but I actually thought Spain kind of didn't. in the bubble. Got to be, got to be realistic. Like, and I think this is like, like I walked away from that that Spain game, and I was like, do you know what? I feel a little better about things. You know, we we put up a we put up a good show, but I think one of the things that's going to work into our favour in this game. Uh, which is what Pedro Martinez also had the the Spain game is he had that big extended camp he had like ten days with the players which is the longest he'd ever had with the players but going into a game and the the camp for this game has started pretty much in that same time period so you could see that his ideas were getting implemented against Spain but I think Spain weren't that on it to, if I'm being totally honest that night but again we we did we did well. don't give me faces we we did uh, we did well in terms of. Kind of getting a bit more faith. <laughs> getting more bit more faith back. And then as, as you say, mate, you get to the Pinnacle Cup and you kind of go, oh, and you kind of go, oh, I don't know again now. And uh, yeah, we're in a very interesting position, but that Abbey Harrison goal is really important. That, that late equalise against Ukraine because it keeps it all in our hands. And if we win, then we are barring a, a catastrophe against the Faroe Islands in September we, we've got that playoff spot sorry since you've just went like because you're re-watching what I remember at the time but I could be wrong and you'll have watched back now should there have, there should have been a penalty against Ukraine shouldn't there oh can't remember okay <laughs> you're doing really well watching those highlights cheers for that there is something they should call him but I need to look back at it to um, myself but um <laughs> But, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Chris does make a good point about the chances because, um, you know, I remember their goalkeeper, Darina Bodarczyk, um, making a few really good saves. And, um, you know, she'd get um, BBC put her down as player of the match, you know, which just shows um, how well she played in the game. And interestingly, she's not in this Ukraine squad um, just now. Ukraine, I, I was having my, my nosy, they only have one player in their squad that's based in the Ukraine. Everyone else is um, based out, outside the Ukraine and that must um, bode well for their squad and their campaign so far. So they beat the Pharaohs 4-0 um, at home, lost 6-0 to Spain at home. Um, drew with us, of course, and then lost a few days later to Hungary. Um, the Spain, the, so the Scotland game was their first under the new coach, Luis Cortes, who they managed to, um, who was the Barcelona winning coach, um, who won the Champions League in the, and the, and the league and the cup, so um, to, they've managed to surprise him. Um, and just before the atrocities started happening in um, Ukraine, they did um, have three games in the Turkish Cup, all winners, all win, two nil against Venezuela, two nil against um, Uzbekistan, two nil against um, Bulgaria, and they are 35th in the world, 12 places below Scotland. Um, Chris, I'll, I'll come back to you because um, what's your thoughts on where the Ukraine are? Are they in a position right now? where they're almost like what Scotland were in when Anna Signal was taking over and um, building a project for the future, or are they a bit more advanced to where we were under Anna? 
the, the appointment of Luis Cortes, who, as you mentioned, was in charge of Barcelona when 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 they won the, the Champions League, is was definitely one that came out of left field. I remember seeing it and thinking, that's bold, the UK men's side have appointed Luis Cortes. And then I, I obviously read it properly, and I was like, okay, that's the women's side. I was like, that's, that's a big call. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're very much at the start of a process. Him and Pedro Martínez also are good pals. Um, I think you saw that before the before that game. They, were, they seemed to spend as much time talking to each other as they did talking to the players um, before, the, before the game picked off. And uh, yeah, I think they are at the start of a project. I think you mentioned obviously that the players and most of them are home-based, but these last few months they, they, they haven't been. There's been a... A bit, of a, a bit of a, not displacement, but there's been a bit of a... There's only one home base, I read, Chris. I think there's only one home base I yeah, so, play across Europe. So they were all home-based, but unfortunately because of what had happened, they have all moved. So, so for example, um, I think there's six now that are at a team called Fomget in Turkey. Uh, Slavia Prague picked up a few of them as well. Uh, and if I remember rightly as well, one of the other things that happened is there's quite a lot of them that are now in Spain. And that's through the connections to Luis Cortes to allow them to get game time because they knew that at some point they were going to have to play these games again. So, yes, at the moment, only one is technically home-based. However, as you've alluded to, there's a situation at hand that is obviously a big thing around this game that um, has meant that all of these players have actually gone away to play, play in other places like Hungary, like Turkey, like the Czech Republic, like Spain, to get game time and get um, ready for these, these games that are coming up. This is why we bring him in, Amy. He's, he's just an encyclopedia with these types, types of things. Sure, <laughs> um, but, 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 <laughs> it's very impressive. What, he's the, um, the hype man, the hype man. <laughs> um, I mean, what's your um, thoughts on uh, the Ukraine team? You also saw them when they came to, to Hamden. You know, they, they they made themselves um, tough to beat. They had a good goalkeeper on the night, who, as I say, was is not even in the squad this time. Um, do you think this is... Um, you know, they'll pretty much put in a similar type of performance because they probably think that we're the favourites and we are the higher-ranking side. But at the end of the day, they've got nothing to lose either and they've got a lot of pride to play for given things that are going on, obviously. Yeah, it's a very tough time to face, well, as, as a men's side. No, it's, you know, it's the complete unknown, really. Well, um, and how you react to, um, how you react to, you know, what is going on in, in their own and in their home country um, so it's, it's really tricky to, to try and predict as Chris rightly says you know, the, 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 the women are going out and getting game time which is imperative um, and you know it's great if, if so many are still kind of like staying together but how that then translates into when you're actually representing your country none of us hopefully will ever well I don't actually think any of us will ever represent our country um, but you would never be put in that kind of position Chris, you may one day, I know. Um, keep that dream going. Um, so yeah, you know, I was, I was, um, yeah. As much as I was disappointed with Scotland against Ukraine, so was. Um, I, I think you're spot on. I think that you know made it hard to, to kind of break down in that sense. And I, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I'll be honest. I've not um, looked into the squad too much. I, I never even noted that the goalkeeper's not there because I thought she was outstanding that night. Um, and, and a few decent saves. Um, you know, you're looking up top, but it's. It's kind of yeah. It's a hard one to try and think like how's how's it going to pan out because I think in, in instances like this I really do that I, I don't know how you would get through it emotionally in all honesty. I think it's going to be interesting. The games in Reshov, which is on the Polish border, um, the Ukrainian men's side played a game 
and Lodz, which is I think a little bit. I'm not hot in my Polish geography, but it's a little bit further up. Um, and they got a, a, a big crowd, and um, there's a couple of obviously Ukrainian accounts kind of talking about it just now. And there seems to be an indication that they're hoping to get a good a good number over. And I think when we when we reflect on obviously what happened with the men's team against Ukraine at Hamden, part of me is of things that maybe having the game in in Poland or slash Ukraine, and that away from Hamden takes a little bit of the pressure off about how do you deal with the moment? Because I think in the men's game, I think we maybe just put one layer too much on in terms of like recognising the moment and how great it was that they were back competing. And Whereas this kind of takes away that pressure for, for Scotland. It's a case of we've got to go and win this game. Win this game and, you know, we're into the playoffs and that madcap world of that, that playoff system is at the moment. But I think that, that helps, but it will very much be a... I will have that same kind of emotion behind that you can see that just by some of the interactions that you can see kind of on social media. And yes, it's going to be tough because Ukraine, we don't we don't really have a, like a fantastic record against Ukraine all in. I think that's the other thing to put in hand. The last time we played them in, in Ukraine, which is Mariupol, which is obviously burst them to the news because of everything that's been happening. We lost that back in 2007. And yeah, we beat them in the Pinotar Cup, but we haven't got like a... a an amazing record of going away and getting results. And I think this is the thing that maybe hasn't quite happened yet underneath Pedro Martinez losses, getting that result when we need it. That that big kind of, like that Ukraine home game. If we'd won that, this game had so much little on it. And now we've got to put a little bit extra on it. And it's, I think that's what we're looking for in this, in this game. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that we need the three points. Um, and not even not even just to secure second place in this group for ourselves, but... Even to try, I mean, getting that top three in terms of the um, second um, place sides is going to be difficult because right now we are sitting eighth out of nine um, from what I can see here. Um, we need to win the two games to get level and points with Belgium and Switzerland. Of course, they have game, um, a game left, so we don't know how that's going to go. Um, but bottom line is we need to do our job first. So on to the... Um, because if we finish anywhere out with the bottom three, uh, out with the top three, sorry, we will um, be facing... Two playoffs, um, whereas if you're in top three, it's um, just one, and that's going to be very tricky, isn't it? As Chris rightly says, it's mental. Like, as only football could genuinely complicate things like this. Like, you watch any other sport, like, I'm serious, like, right now through there, there's the World Cup on, right? Like, that's what is on in my house. Any sport is on in my house. And it's just everything else is so simple. Football has to complicate apps. It doesn't matter what level it's at. Chris, we were speaking about this when we done under 19s, like this League B, Conference B, get up to A, all like it's as football. Honestly, I think sometimes you just got to laugh at it. And I kudos to anyone who ever knows what is always going on at all times and what is always required. Because I'll be honest, I don't know unless it's that game and I know just go out and win because. Ugh, if, like you say, if a point happens here and this happens here, I swear to God, I do not think there is another sport in the world that could complicate qualification, winning, anything as much as football. Everyone says it's a simple game. Like, fine, fair enough, maybe playing it is, but the actual intricacies of one team, one country, one nation, one anything, getting to any kind of tournament is, oh, it's a pathway that, can you really call it a pathway? It's more like a bloody jigsaw like it's unbelievable trying to get to somewhere so it is let's just say that this is an imperative win and what ha- what will be will be and I'll deal with what happens when you're in the bottom three if we eventually get there because my god I didn't have a clue what's happening in all honesty 
I uh, I haven't even bothered to look at it yet because it's like until it's I have to deal with it, I'm not looking at it. So that's 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 been my mindset with it just now. Yeah, quite right. Um, the, the, get the job done first. Um, Amy, this will blow your mind. Um, see regarding um, the the book I've written about the, that didn't we qualify for? So how simple it was. You win your group. You were in the tournament. In there, she were out. There was no playoffs, no Nations League, no extra routes. <laughs> Simpler times. Yes, exactly. But we'll um we'll skip back to 2022. So um this the squad um was named this week. Um, very few surprises. There was a couple of notable um. Exceptions um, with Kirsten Gamshaw still being injured. Kirsten Hansen was out, um, and um, I know she's been out for a while. But Rachel Boyle, um, obviously, um, pregnant with her second child. Um, so uh, good luck to Rachel, um, previous guest of the show. Um, in in terms of the, uh, the scores yourselves, um, you know, the, the, when I was looking at um, talking about what the team should be. Right back, it immediately strings it to me as being a problem area because Rachel McLaughlin's injured. And we've, we've had Lisa Evans there, we've had um, Claire Emsler playing as a wing-back, and then obviously Rachel, uh, before she fell pregnant, played the right-back last and played um, Ukraine. Do you think we'll be sticking um, with the four that we did against um, Spain, or do you think we'll be advancing to another formation? Anyways, can you jump in here? I have... Um, yeah, I... I've not been very good at predicting exactly the formation that um, is going to turn up on the pitch. So I, I'm going to read and say anything, but I think, yeah, you do look at the squad and you go, there isn't a right back there. Um, obviously, Nick, you'd imagine Nick Dock will, will go in at left back. I expect Lee Evans will probably go into that role. She's played that kind of wing back role for West Ham this season in the WSL as well. So I think that's that's what I would expect. Sophie Howard can play at right back, but she obviously doesn't offer the same poor momentum. Um, and I think... There is an p- opportunity she plays that right back role. She can come in to cover for, for Jenny and Rachel Corsi if one of them decides to step out. But I'd imagine Lee Sevens. I think, obviously, looking at kind of how Ukraine, kind of, especially against uh, Hungary and against ourselves, actually, uh, how Ukraine kind of defended, it is a big miss to not have Christy Grimshaw and, and Kirsty Hansen as options because the one thing that Ukraine were seemed to be vulnerable to a lot is getting turned. And even in that those Turkish Cup games, they were playing against jobbers. To be polite, they were playing against some jobber nations. Um, even they were turning that Ukrainian defence. And I think the f- not having Christy Grimshaw and Christy Hansen's options to do that turning will, will be difficult. Obviously, we've got players that do that anyway already. And like Emsley and Kirsten maybe can do that. But I'd like to see Sevens kind of given that role on the right hand side. But as I said, I'm usually terrible at predicting this lineup, so oh, is it's just the, it's probably the it's the uncertainty, isn't it? That I think was kind of like the right hand side of of Scotland. To be honest, I think that's that's where the weakness is as well. I think the left is so strong, um, and a bit of depth as well. I'm like you though. I do I do think it'll be Lisa Evans. I wasn't the biggest fan of Chloe Arthur there, in honesty. Um, I think if Chloe's playing it like see her in a natural role a bit further forward or certainly in the midfield being being allowed to be that a little bit more creative as well but I'm with you as well I was going Nicola Doherty I think she's had an exceptional season you know I think Rangers have obviously been rampant but I think Nicola's Docker has been a huge part of that um, and I think she's she's been really really crucial um, and I, I have to say I do like Sophie Howard as well um, but I just think going forward that's what Nicola Doherty has an abundance um, she's unbelievable you know the, the kind of the crosses that she gets in and she's always just so eager to get forward as well isn't she like I know sometimes that can be at the detriment but when you've got 
like Jen Beatty and, and Rachel Corsi behind you, you know, you, you've got, you're in safe hands. But I think more on merit than anything else, I think Nicola Doherty deserves to, to have that place there. And the holding midfield position is something that, you know, bear in mind I'm a bit of a novice still with the women's game, but um, no, no Leanne Crichton for a few years since she also has had come out of national football. I think um, she's been a, a difficult player to um, replace, you know, with the um, protection to give the, um, that back for. Lisa Robertson's try, um, been tried in a couple of times. Um, just, it's, who do you think will um, be the ones that step into those positions next week? Do you think Chloe Ath or someone that will step in there, for example? I'm a Lisa Robertson fan, um, and in my little team that I've jotted down, I've got Lisa Robertson. Um, I I really like her. I think she's a really, really talented player. Um, obviously, the season before last, standout at Celtic as well. Um, but I just think she, she's really good at that defensive midfield cover. You know, she she's not, um, not that she can't get forward because she can, but she's very, very clever. I think in her play, um, especially who she's against, that you know, I think she, she reads the game really well, and I think that's what you really need in a defensive midfielder. In all honesty, you need somebody who's not just going to get carried away just because you know we're in an, in an attacking phase. Sorry, um, and yeah, I would I would have Lisa Robertson in there, and as you really see, it's probably an area where we have got a few options. But for me, it would be it would be Robertson. I think that's I think I think midfield is always the most interesting thing in Scotland because of. The players that we have and how we try and get them all into the team, especially let's be honest, Caroline and Erin Cuthbert are kind of the two key at the moment that are that are fit. And I think you've seen with Erin at Chelsea this season, she's thrived being that little bit little bit deeper. And maybe Caroline's actually thrived being that little bit further forward. But it seems to be that when it gets to Scotland, they seem to go the other way around, and it'd be good to see maybe maybe that opportunity played around. I agree, I think Lisa Robertson's a, a very good shout, but it's been interesting to see how Sam Kerr's been deployed as well in these last couple of games and the, en- the energy she brings in the middle of the park. Uh, obviously, she's a bit more kind of forward-thinking than uh, maybe... Not they say forward-thinking, Lisa, because Lisa is quite forward-thinking herself, but she offers a different energy in the middle of the pitch, whereas, as you say, Lisa has probably got the discipline to play in that role. Christy Murray's kind of there... Whenever she played there in the past, it's kind of just been because Leanne's not been there. It's, Chrissy, again, is much more forward-thinking, and they lose games the same, and she's not that kind of defensive player. She's more like a, a ball-playing midfielder and looking to try and get set up for attack. So it'll be interesting to see how... I think if Lisa Robertson starts, then obviously you've got that defensive linchpin, but if Sam Kerr continues her run, then suggests that he's maybe going to go for it a little bit more, and then we obviously kind of glossed over Chloe Arthur a little bit. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's weird with Chloe Arthur because I always feel like she's maybe a a victim of our versatility. I just don't feel like she's ever really had the chance of submitting somewhere in the team. And I'll be yeah, interested to see if she gets that. position, does she? Yeah. No. You were talking no. about, you know, in the defence as well. She just can float anywhere. And like you see, it's probably to, to, our, um, to, to our own versatility. Yeah, yeah I've got a dice about it. It's a player, <laughs> I'd imagine it's, it's, it's still strange looking at the squad and it says Caroline Muir unattached, Claire Emsler unattached. Let's be honest, that will get sorted sooner. I know Caroline has been linked heavily with three arm, which I thought um, that would be amazing if that would get pulled off. Who do you think is going to be the main person up front? Because we've had Jane Ross, we've had Martha Thomas, um, Abby Harrison. I get, um, Lana Cleland's another one who goes under the radar. She's had a smashing season with Sasswallow. Um, What's your kind of thoughts on that? Not just the front one, but the three and behind. Well, I'd imagine we are um, Ainsley and Cuthbert take those positions. 
I'd say so, yeah. And I'll be honest, it's, it's mental as we kind of discuss it. And I think Chris and I, we spoke about it as well. Don't actually know what else Lizzie Arnott needs to do to actually really get into any kind of star at national side. And saying that, I don't have it in mind. But um, I do, I think that all the time, you know, the season that she's had, in particular this last one, she's been exceptional. Um, you know what you're getting with Jane. Um, you, you know, I think we've all shared it today. You know, 10 years ago today, there's Jane Ross. Absolutely. You, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you, we all know what's happening. But for me and my little team again, I would have Martha Thomas. I just think she's so talented. Um, I think she offers something that little bit different. Um, she obviously, she is a little bit younger. You can say that. Um, and I just think fresh legs. Um, and yeah, anytime she's led the line, I, I'm just really impressed by her. I like the link up with Claire Emsley, you know, who's always there and thereabouts as well, because she can match the pace. Um, you know, I think that was actually one of the things during the Pinotar Cup that you saw Claire Emsley bombing back and forth, back and forth, up and down the flank, and there was nobody in the middle, you know, and she's just kind of standing there in no man's land. But I think Martha Thomas is, um, I think it's important to try and nail down a, a forward in the national team. And I do think that the future lies with with Martha Thomas. Um, and yeah, I, that, that's certainly who I would be going for come next Friday. I would uh, I would echo that sentiment. I'm a, a big Martha Thomas fan for Pretty much every reason that Amy has stated there just there as well. So that makes it nice and easy for me. I think the other thing that I, I noticed with that Ukraine game is obviously Abby Harrison's kind of come into the national team setup after that big extended period of injury. She was Championship Player of the Year, top goal scorer. And you can see she was getting in behind. She maybe just didn't, if she'd taken a couple of those chances, then maybe we would have been in a position where we needed a last, last minute equaliser. But I think you saw from the work that she did that. You can get behind Ukraine. I think Martha is. I really hope Martha gets a clean a clean season at the moment. I think that's the thing that's really kind of hampered a lot. But she's always had these like couple of months spells where she's missed out. Where she missed out for us for a couple of couple of games as well. But yeah, I think Martha Martha's a, a great talent. And yeah, for me, if we are going to get a result, I think I think I'd start Martha up top too. Yeah, I'm more than happy to go along with you. Um, your team and uh, your prediction for. The game next week we also could do with the three points. If we um, um, lose the game, then it brings Hungary, um, Ukraine right back in. It opens things up for Hungary too. What do you think the score is going to be? Oh, um, head or heart? That's the question, isn't it? Um, I am trying to delete that Chris will then take over and um, suggest his own, but I don't think he's going to do that. Um, I will go... Uh, let's let's come on, go big or go home. go a Scottish win, um, two one, but not in the last minute because I do think that Scotland Arsenal are a little bit skeptical to a, a, a goal at the back, and I think I'd I'll be honest, I don't know how much longer Lee Alexander's your number one because I think Jenna Fife is getting closer, and I was never really the biggest Jenna Fife fan. But I think Jenna Fife is pushing and pushing. And I think that's going to be interesting over the next few years as well. Yeah, I, th- I still think he's number one at the moment. But we'll save that for another time. But, uh, I, I mean, like, the easiest way to get out of this is to say, I think Scotland's going to win 9-0. And then that way, we know it's not a serious prediction. Oh but I, I've still made one. And then that's me good. Um fair. <laughs> Like the thing is, a point puts us in a good position, and the reason why a point puts us in, and I don't want a point, I want us to win. I think, right, heart, we're going to win two now, right? But uh, a point puts us in a good position um, because Hungary and Ukraine are both still to play Spain, and even Spain at half pace going into like coming out of Euros or going into Euros are still going to have enough to beat Ukraine and Hungary. 
so yeah, I I am going to Poland hoping for a win, and hopefully that's that's how it comes to pass. Well, I'm going to go with um, uh, a two-win Scotland win as well, um, and I hope they get it. I, I don't care what the score is, as long as the Scotland score more goals in Ukraine at the end of the day. Chris, you enjoy yourself out in Poland. Um, hope the girls do well. Amy, thanks very much for coming on, and um, good luck to the Scotland women's national team next Friday.